If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I'm your host, Todd Huff, coming to you live. Well, depending upon when you listen to the program, you can listen to the podcast. But we are at least recording live, coming to you live from the office of the future president potential future president-elect. Since Biden can make up offices, so can we. It's good to be here. Thank you for for joining us. I got some messages last night, folks asking, well, folks saying, hey, this is over. Trump's done. This is the beginning of the end. And folks, it very well may be. I don't want to give any sense of false hope. The one thing I do each and every day on this program is tell you what I really think. I do. Um, I think that I owe you that. I think that you are big enough to handle the truth. I think that also on top of that, um, that America has been in difficult times before and that America has prevailed. But that's not a guarantee in the sense of at some point, at some at some point folks can make enough of the wrong decisions to change the destiny of this nation. You know, I've said before, you, you've heard me say on here that this is not – the greatness of this country is not – in our DNA. It's not in our DNA. In fact, it has nothing to do with our identity. Our identity is based upon the ideas and ideals that we have founded this great nation upon. It's the ideas that make America great. And our identity as Americans is rooted in those Ideas, those ideas that our founders set forth. They didn't create them, they discovered them. These are not something, the ideas are not things that the founders came up with out of whole cloth. They realized, they realized how nature and nature's God, dare I say, nature's God, the creator God, the God of this universe, who created mankind to live. They understood the nature of of man. They understood 
that man and also women. This is a you know used to be when you would say man that was understood uh, to mean people, but people are not perfect. People, people who are um, in pursuit of power. You, you've heard the old adage that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And boy, oh boy, have we seen that on display in recent days, months, years, decades. Many of those years, a lot of folks were asleep at the wheel. That's just the truth. But America is an idea. America is a series of ideas that says, hey, this is what we've learned from history. History teaches us that those in power seek more power. History teaches us that those in authority try to increase their authority, increase their power, increase their control. You can see this throughout history. This is the nature you know, it's it's not just the it's not always just because it's the nature of man to take, you know, to abuse his power. Although that's absolutely true. It's also that we we are created to to build and make things. And so if you have a business, your intention is to make it bigger and better and stronger. It typically means that you're you know, you're I don't know, expanding your you know, growing your client base, expanding the services and products you offer. You're always doing something in, increasing your uh not all I mean, you know, there's other ways, but I mean in general you're trying to to grow. In fact it's said in business there's no such thing as, you know, being stagnant. You're either growing or you're you're dying. And that's how a lot of folks I think that's just nature when you go into government the goal is to say, well, last year the government did X. This year the government should do X plus Y plus Z plus A plus B plus C. And then you 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 get folks that aren't simply interested in adding to it. They're all they're multiplying it. As I said earlier, I guess I must have said it yesterday. At some point, at some point, the bureaucratic state becomes the fourth branch of government. If the executive branch isn't even in charge of the Justice Department. In the sense of what it's actually doing, as Sidney Powell said earlier this week or over the weekend, if that is in fact the case, that the Department of Justice isn't even really being controlled by Bill Barr. I said Bob Barr yesterday. I don't know what I was thinking. I knew sometimes I'd get going, and that's what I said. But William Barr, if he's not he's not controlling all the things that some of these actors are doing, and that's because we have this government that has grown out of control. And you can make the case, certainly, that the bureaucratic state has become its own fourth branch of government. And that leads in this whole COVID situation where you have people – I saw a video of a guy being arrested. And you got to be careful. Anytime you reference a, a video, you don't necessarily know everything that transpired. But you do know – you do know that – um, something is wrong in a society where a man is allegedly being arrested because his son didn't have on a mask and is being arrested in, I think, Atlanta, at least Georgia. He's being arrested by two officers who didn't have have a mask. I had a friend who told me a similar situation. He wasn't being arrested, but he was being harassed. And, you know, I'm a supporter. Look, I I, I think our law enforcement community does a lot of marvelous things we have brave men and women that stand between us and danger but there's also those that 
sometimes uh, are a little bit too big for their britches. And soon after the mask mandate here in this state, my friend was in a line at a, I don't know, convenience store getting a soda or some such thing, a cup of coffee, a donut, I don't know. And someone behind him said, where's your mask? And he turned around and it was a police officer. And he said something to the effect of, uh, he kind of kind of chuckled because the officer didn't have his on. And he said, no, I'm serious. And my friend said, I don't have one with me, you know. And someone else in the line said something like, where's your mask? And he said, mine's in the car, as though that's some sort of a badge of honor. Mine's in the car? <laughs> I mean, folks, I don't, I begin to not recognize this country at some point, and I bet Many of you feel the same way, but this nation was built upon ideas and principles, and that is what made her great. This nation was made great because of the ideas and principles, and dare I say that many, the bulk of those ideas were built on things that they've learned through history, things that they learned through philosophy, things that they learned, yes, even through the nature of man and through religion, Folks, these were, we, had a, we had a very devout group of individuals that founded this country, many of which didn't even just go to Christian schools. Some of them were trained in Christian seminaries. In fact, a pretty healthy some of them from what I understand. But nonetheless, it stands to reason that once this nation, if this nation, God forbid, turns from the ideas. So if the ideas are what made America, you think about this. 200 years ago, 240 years ago, this nation was being founded by what amounted to a bunch of English rejects, basically. Folks that, you know, they, they thought they were so, yeah, the, the English ruling class was so condescending towards the American. These were the folks that couldn't make it in the highly sophisticated England. They had to go and live out there on the, you know, out in the prairies or in, in, in the woods, frontiersmen, bunch of rubes, bunch of hayseed hicks who had had at one point they'd had enough. They'd had enough of the ruling class penalizing them, arbitrarily setting up rules, decrees from the king that punished the colonists. And at some point they said enough. And they sent to him a document that listed over 50-some reasons as to why they were in the process of breaking free from the rule of England. And if you were a Martian watching this through your high-tech telescope back in the 1770s, and you had to pick, you had to, you had to give us a guess as to what the future would look like, you would not have picked the... Americans to defeat the British. The British, they were the the big shots on the on the block. They were the ones that, that it was said that the sun never set on the British Empire because of the vast territory that they controlled back in the at that time, back in the 1770s. But history had another story to tell. And again, once we came on the other side of that battle for independence and we had secured our independence we did not we did not stop there we said how do we make this 
How do we make this really the type of nation that will transform, folks, transform the way human beings live on on planet Earth? Now, that wasn't necessarily their their vision, but that's what happened. Their vision was to create a society that radically changed, that reflected what they knew about the laws of nature, what mankind did when it was given when he was given too much authority and power. And so they took these steps to develop our nation. Here we are on the eve of Thanksgiving Eve, and we should be thankful for this, but we also should be vigilant in protecting this. We have a absolute, we have an absolute role to play here. And we've gotten to the point I saw Linwood text this or tweet this, not text this. Text this out maybe early this morning. I have a lot of respect for Lynn Wood as well as he is fighting this nonsense um, in this nation. But Lynn Wood tweeted out something that should catch the attention of, of every American, of every American. And he says, he says this, looks like our country will be in turmoil at Thanksgiving. Illegal lockdowns, restriction on number of guests, threats of violence an attempt to overthrow a duly elected leader, censorship, mask mandates, even in your home, etc., etc., etc. Sounds like a Thanksgiving in Venezuela. A Thanksgiving in Venezuela. I mean, to the point, the larger point he's trying to make, this nation is becoming harder and harder to recognize. Harder and harder to recognize. But again, this is not – look, there's no doom and gloom here. There's, there's reality for what we're facing, and the reality is – the reality is that this is our, our nation, and if we want to see this nation survive and thrive, return – we have to make sure that it returns to her constitutional roots. We have to. That is the only way to do this. There is no guarantee. America doesn't have any grandchildren. It is our job to make sure that we pass along to our children the nation as it was founded, as best as we can. And folks, right now, we are not necessarily doing this. And this is not because Trump lost. It would be because if these allegations of election fraud are even remotely close to true, then that's an example. What we've seen with the uh, the the executive actions, the the unconstitutional actions, the power hungry moves by government regarding COVID, that's something that we can also include in this as well. People are shrugging, shrugging this off. Some of the things that would be coming, God forbid, from a potential Biden administration, the people that he's talking about putting into his cabinet, this, these are the sorts of things that could transform the trajectory of this nation. You look at what would happen if, God forbid, Purdue and, and Loeffler, uh, Loeffler both lose their elections in Georgia, giving the Democrats control of the Senate, the presidency, assuming that all stands, and the House of Representatives. What we would see would be basically um, <laughs> one-party rule, and the party that's ruling is led by people who do not believe in the things that I've been talking about, the foundational principles of this nation. The people at the top, they reject that. The people at the top do not like this nation 
as founded. In fact, they believe it is their job to go out and to change it and to uh, change it dramatically. So anyway, got to take a break. Got to take a break here. Want to shift gears after this break. I've got had a conversation yesterday with Senator Marsha Blackburn from the state of Tennessee. God bless her for standing up and speaking out. Had a good time talking with her. And I again, I ask, where are the other Republicans? There's some. There's some that are out there. But elected Republicans are few and far defined, few and far between when it comes to standing up for what we are, uh, what we are encountering and dealing with here. As uh, <laughs> we've reached this point where 2020 is truly, truly just um, complete, complete, a complete mess at this particular point, heading into Thanksgiving. But. It is not time to give up hope or anything of that sort. We just have to face the reality of what we are dealing with here. And it's our job to make sure that we fight this back. The The good news is that we can do that. The good news is that we're on the side of, of justice and truth and goodness. The Constitution is worth fighting for. Those principles of liberty are absolutely worth fighting for and passing on. And I think that more and more people will accept them once they understand really what those are, what those mean, and what's at stake. So a timeout is in order. We'll come back and share my conversation with Senator Marsha Blackburn. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. So, as I told you before the break, I had a conversation yesterday, not long after the end of this program, with Marsha Blackburn, Senator Marsha Blackburn, from the great state of Tennessee. Now, this uh, we're going to be knocking the time clock off track here because I went too long in the first segment. But um, anyway, I she and I spoke about big tech, and I it's. It is all related to this. Um, I mean, big tech, there's a whole other world of things that matter when you discuss big tech. But it also affects this relationship and how we communicate about it, our abilities to exchange ideas about it, to call into question certain things, um, and how big tech is really silencing many conservatives. So with that being said, here is my conversation with Senator Marsha Blackburn, the great state of Tennessee. Hope you enjoy well, we have the good pleasure today of welcoming Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican from the great state of Tennessee. She's also a member of the Senate Judici- uh, Judiciary Committee. Uh, Senator Blackburn, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I am doing great, and I am absolutely delighted to join you. Thanks for having me on. Well, it is our pleasure to have you on. And you recently questioned Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, Jack Dorsey of Twitter about some things, um, some concerning issues with big tech. Can you maybe quickly summarize for our listeners some of the reasons Americans should be concerned about big tech, particularly when it comes to uh, maybe unbiased censorship of political ideas? Oh, absolutely. You know, Media Research Center pointed out that President Trump was censored 194 times during the election process. 
and you did not have Joe Biden censored once. You have never had them at Twitter at Twitter censor the Ayatollah or Xi Jinping or Vladimir Putin. But Donald Trump, they are going to regularly censor. So what we saw, whether it was President Trump or whether it was someone like me who's pointing out the dangerous nature of the Trump Accountability Project, you saw this unbridled, unrelenting push by the social media giants to take down what conservatives say and to elevate what liberals say. That's right. Maybe talk a little bit about what the Trump Accountability Project is and why folks should be concerned about that as well. Yes, indeed. You know, AOC and the squad and some of those that had worked with Pete Buttigieg decided they were going to start a blacklist. And it was going to include everyone that had worked with President Trump, people that had spoken on his behalf, people that worked in his administration as an appointee. And their goal is basically the politics of personal destruction. They want to destroy the lives of these individuals and have said so. And this is their goal. So I put up that the Trump Accountability Project had no place in American civil society, that we do not blacklist people in this country for having a different political opinion. Well, Twitter didn't like that. Facebook didn't like that. So they blocked that and censored me rather than saying, okay, we are going to let this, let this post stand. Now, I said nothing about the election. I said nothing about election results. I simply made the statement that this was a dangerous template for them to be working from because of the destruction of human beings' well-being that they are trying to carry out. They want to ruin people's lives and harm their well-being, and um, that's wrong. Well, and you're on the right side of this issue, by the way, clearly with any folks who have any lick of common sense. So, you know, for folks that have followed the whole issue with social media, big tech, a term called Section 30 uh, means something to them. Some folks maybe not understanding what that is, that it's part of the Communications uh, Decency Act. And so can you take a moment to maybe explain Section 230 and how it applies or doesn't apply to big tech uh, companies like Facebook, Twitter, and how they may be using or even abusing that uh, that section of law? Yes, uh, we are working to reform Section 230 because what tech companies have done is to hide behind this liability protection that was put on the books in 1996 when the Internet was just starting. And basically it was you can't be sued for something that someone posts on your platform. So what we have done is to work toward um, reforming this, streamlining this liability protection, designating when it can be used, who can use it, making certain that we are going to limit how they can put things 
uh, in place for publishing. You know, right now, if somebody puts something in your comment line, this is what happened with the Federalist, and something was put in their comment section, and then they were blocked because they uh, Twitter said they found that to be uh, objectionable language. So what we're doing is saying you can't take somebody down for their comment section. You cannot block somebody because of your terms of service or community standards without telling them what you're blocking them for. In order for big tech to comply, we are taking away the language in Section 230 that says otherwise objectionable, and we are putting in its place specific language that says, language that is that requires a reasonableness standard also pointing out that anything that is unlawful or would cause personal harm or would elevate terrorism falls in this category of language that could be removed so what we do is to be more specific with the publishing with what they can take down with the liability protections. Okay. So thanks for clearing that up a little bit. So what do you say to the folks who say, look, the First Amendment prevents the government from censoring political speech. You know, people like Twitter and Facebook, they're not part of the government. You hear this argument, I'm sure, from folks, and therefore they can silence any speech that they that they desire. What do you say in response to that? Well, what you have to realize is that these platforms consider themselves to be the new public square, and the public square has a cop on the beat, and these they are in law as information services, and since they're an information service, what they have to do is uh, make this information accessible with the same standard for everybody. And they cannot, it's the same premise as you cannot yell fire in a crowded theater. And so we are tightening, if you will, these restrictions because we want to make certain that the Internet is free and is innovative and is there for everyone. Now, the Section 230 protections should be preserved for new entrants in the marketplace, like um, Parler mm-hmm. and new search engines, smaller search engines like DuckDuck and Bing. So, yes, that is where you preserve it. But you do not uh, allow it for the big tech ge- uh, giants who... Basically, what they did was a huge in-kind contribution for the Democrat National Committee Mm. and for the Joe Biden campaign because they censored conservatives. They censored President Trump, Mm -hmm. but they did not censor liberals and they did not censor Joe Biden. That's right. I'm with Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican from the great state of Tennessee. That leads me to my next question. Do big tech companies have the power? You know, they've talked about Russian collusion for all these years. Do big tech companies have the power to influence the outcome of elections? Well, when 
When you are able to control what people see, hear, and say, then you control what they think and therefore how they vote. And that is what they are seeking to do, controlling what we see, hear, and say, and when we can see, hear, and say it. And that is why they're throttling and blocking of information. That is why all of this is so dangerous. That's right. I can hardly read or no one, no one can hardly read a, a Trump tweet today without some sort of a disclaimer that say that says Biden won the election or that voter fraud really isn't a thing at all. How does um, – I guess how much does this contribute, this involvement, this interjection of all these disclaimers and so forth and silencing and censorship, how much does this – contribute to the complete lack of understanding many Americans have regarding the actual challenges the Trump team and other attorneys like Sidney Powell and Wood are raising right now concerning the election itself? I have to tell you, I am so grateful for President Trump and his team pushing forward with these lawsuits that are focused on integrity and fair elections and making certain that we get to the bottom of what happened with these voter rolls for the fact that you had so many ballots that were mailed to people who were deceased. I have talked to so many people that would get three and four ballots mailed to their house and people that were deceased. One family I talked to, they have been in their house 11 years, 11 years. The, the previous owner died 12 years ago, and that deceased individual got a ballot mailed to that address. So this is where the genesis of the problem is. It is with these election commissions that have not cleared and updated those voter rolls. And so previous residents, people that have moved out of state, people that are deceased got ballots. The second step of the problem is that you had people working with the Democrat Party. Certainly, we saw this in the Georgia race where they harvested. They were paid. What mm -hmm. we're finding out was some of these were paid to go harvest these ballots. So if it were an apartment complex or um, – a community, they would go door to door, they would collect these ballots, they would fill them out. The third problem is once these ballots were mailed in, the signatures were not matched. So once you tear that signature card away from the ballot, you do not know if it is a valid ballot or not, if you are counting a legal or an illegal ballot. And certainly, I believe if every legal vote was counted and every illegal vote was discarded, then that would lead you to a second term for President Donald Trump. So with that being said, is there... Any, I mean, what do, what do you see as far as the the paths moving forward? Is there any? I mean, is it a foregone conclusion or that uh, that? No, I I think that what you hear from the president's legal team is they fully believe there is a path forward, 
And I fully believe that they have every right. The president has every right to have his day in court. And when you look at the fact that the Democrats named themselves the resistance the day after the election. That's right. And then they said at that point they were going to obstruct everything he tried to do. You know that their intentions were not honorable. And so this president deserves at least four weeks to go through and see where the problems are and see if there is a pathway because they put him through four years of living hell. Well, I appreciate what you do. Really quickly, you've got to run. What is... Why don't we hear more Republicans stand? I, I applaud you. You're doing a fantastic job. You're out there leading the charge. Why aren't there more elected Republicans just simply doing what you're doing right now? Why, why aren't we seeing that? Um, I, I can only speak for myself, and I am so grateful this week of Thanksgiving that we have had uh, President Donald Trump for the last four years. The way we have seen economic growth in this country, the way he turned our economy around, the way he has dealt with China, the way he has supported our allies, the way our enemies know they need to fear us, the way we have the Abraham Accords and a pathway for a more peaceful Middle East, the way we have worked on the trade issues that are benefiting our farmers the way he started Operation Warp Speed so that we quickly get a vaccine, the way he has reworked the way the federal government responds. Bear in mind, when we had the H1N1 flu, it took Barack Obama and Joe Biden six months to declare it a pandemic. Sixty million Americans were infected. It was not as deadly as COVID-19. But it was very infectious. So you look at all of these things that the president has done for us as a political outsider, draining the swamp. And as you see, the gators in that swamp, they are biting back. They like a murky swamp that nobody has transparency into, and they are able to do whatever they want to do every single day. Well, you're right, and you've got to run. Senator Marsha Blackburn, thank you so much for joining us. God bless. Keep up the fight. Will do. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. Thank you. Here's the part of this program where I apologize to you for the first two segments running over because this is going to be incredibly truncated to keep us on time. But basically, folks, um, yesterday Trump had – well, the Trump administration, Trump had given the GSA, who is responsible for the kind of technical part of – well, they're responsible for lots of things, but – the technical part of the transition from one administration to the other, 
the news of this, um, of course, leads people to believe that Trump is realizing that he has no path to victory here, and that becomes the narrative. And folks, that very well may be the case. I'm not suggesting it isn't. Trump did tweet out about five hours after making the announcement that Emily Murphy, who was heading the GSA, um, saying that she was, you know, he was going to allow her to begin the transition. He tweeted this out. What does GSA being allowed to do preliminary work with the Democrats have to do with continuing to pursue our various cases on what will go down as the most corrupt election in American political history? We are moving full speed ahead. We will uh, never concede to fake ballots and Dominion. Dominion. He do, he does cite Dominion there. Got to take a time out, though. I apologize. Just got off schedule with the interview with Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So here we are faced with trying to make, make sense of all this. Folks, look, I – this is this is still not over, but in many – it's also when the election results were what they were in those first few days after the election, we knew that this was going to be an uphill battle. We knew that this was going to be an uphill battle. As I said on this program before, win or lose, of course, it's much better to win – to protect our liberties, freedom, our way of life, our constitutional government. I mean, you have folks who are literally, quite literally, wanting to see the antithesis of the American Constitution be the law of the land in this nation. But we knew that this would be an uphill battle. Um, this is – it's still not over, although I can understand why some believe that it is. And I can understand why uh, some see Trump's action as final concession. But to his point, I mean, there are realities. It could simply – I mean, there's realities. There's timetables. You can't uh, – you, you have to make sure that you do what's in the best interest of this country while still pursuing other legal avenues. I don't know. I don't know anything more than you do. Uh, but I do know that this battle for the control of this nation, the heart, mind, and soul, will – wage on. This will continue. We have to be prepared to persuade others, and it's really one of the reasons why we've launched Conservative Not Bitter University. But I don't have time to talk about that now. Got to take a break. Be back here to wrap up in just a minute. So just look, waning moments of the program. But look, there is no – and this may be just in my in my DNA or something, but there's no reason to panic. There's reason to be concerned. There's reason to be concerned with what's going on. But folks, this is something that we're going to have to fight for the rest of our lives. This battle between those who want more government, the lovers of big government, the socialists, those who – promise utopia on planet earth they are battling for control of this nation and we have to fight back 
The good news is we have truth and history and philosophy on our side. It's just a communications job. So anyway, I got to go. Hang in there. SCGC tomorrow. Take care.